witness and evangelism, and just walking through some tools uh, and resources that can be helpful in facilitating conversations as they come up, whether it's uh, working in a neighborhood, working on a project, painting a house and gardening, and just like Kevin painted that picture for us, the neighbor's coming out and saying, wow, what's going on here? Uh, and just being able to maybe have some resources available to uh, have a little conversation, uh, counselors at camps and so on. So uh, we're going to have two brief parts together. One, uh, just some biblical teaching on witness and evangelism. And then part two, I have a handout uh, with some helpful resources uh, that can help. Different visual aids, different templates, different guides from different types of ministries that can just be helpful in facilitating these conversations. Um, so first, uh, I want to ask those who brought their Bible and those who now use their phone as their Bible. Uh, I'm going to need five people to grab a passage. So raise your hand if you have a Bible and, or a phone. Okay. So 2 Corinthians 5. I'll give you the verse in a minute. We'll get there. Okay. Romans chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 15. Philippians 2. Oh, Patty, is that your hand? Okay. Titus 3. And we're going to circle back and read these together. Okay, so, first question for you guys. What do you think of when you hear evangelism? What images come to mind? What, what does this conjure up for you uh, when you hear evangelism? It can be good, it can be bad. Knocking on doors. Outreach. Knocking on doors. Outreach. 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 Going out to the park or somewhere. Going to the park. People talking about Jesus. People talking about Jesus. Emily, was your hand up? I was. I was going to say, like, abrasive pushiness. Abrasive pushiness. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No matter where you're at, no matter where you are, going out and preaching the word. That's right. For me, I grew up in um, non-denominational evangelicalism, and uh, yeah, evangelism, it conjured up Ephesians 4, evangelists, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, and, and evangelists coming through town and holding a rally, uh, Bible tracks. Anyone? Anyone know the Bible tracks? Passing out the Bible tracks. Yep. Uh, street preachers, uh, beach evangelism, so on. So yes, uh, there are uh, different paradigms. Yes, Peggy. And I was grateful because someone evangelized me. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And God can use any number of these different tools. Absolutely. I remember when I was. A teenager watching some training videos on how to do street preaching and uh, how to go. Yeah, so absolutely. God can use all these resources. Uh, I'm especially excited about this Impact Week uh, because this models our kind of missional ecclesiology that we talk so much about, uh, that Mission on the Bino is all about, planting churches, where the church itself is the the... A vehicle, the center of gravity of evangelism. So, some different models out there, uh, and, and this will probably be familiar to many of you who have run in different circles of uh, Christianity. Um, 
there could be a model of the church as a training center where, okay, the Christians come, they're trained, they're fed, uh, and then they go out and they individually do the ministry uh, or evangelism. Another model might be uh, a church as theater where, okay, we have this great band or we uh, it can rely on the charisma of the pastor and, and being especially charming where uh, the church... Uh, is is the, the the meeting itself is the chief um, medium of it. But instead, uh, this model of the church itself as evangelists, listen to how Edmund Clowney describes this. He says, God in the midst of his worshiping people has the power to compel and convert. If we as the church really are God's temple, and he really does mediate his presence through his body, then an encounter with his church, being the church, is an encounter with God. And we're going to dive into some more of that in a moment, but it's that picture where this uh, redeemed community, the life of this church, is itself a witness to the gospel. And that's exactly what we're living out and doing this Impact Week together, when we're serving one another, we're loving one another. Um, Okay, so uh, as far as communicating the gospel, uh, Tim Keller, our uh, PCA pastor in uh, New York City, he uh, describes the gospel as news. You guys have heard the expression, it's good news. Uh, it, it was historically, this language was used for a great historical event, like a battle being won or uh, a new king ascending. It was something that actually affected the person hearing it. It had some type of uh, shift take place. And so that was the language that the early church employed with respect to what God has done through Jesus Christ in the gospel. Uh, a couple things that we observe in the book of Acts, uh, they would the believers would gospelize, is the language used, which is telling people the good news about what Jesus has done. Uh, everyone does it. We see uh, patterns uh, of the believers doing this, and everyone does it differently. We can see lots of different ways that the gospel is communicated. Uh, the gospel can be presented in different ways in different settings. So this is where I'm going to call on you guys who read the Bible passages. Uh, so these are some different snippets from Scripture that, in different types of ways, encapsulate the different themes of the gospel. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Peggy, that was you, uh, verses 19 to 21. Can you read that for us? That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay. Uh, reconciliation, Jesus taking on our sin. Romans chapter 1. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, this is verses... 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. 
as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, centrality of faith communicated there. First Corinthians 15, okay, uh, verses 1 through 5. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in me. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And uh, Philippians 2, it's 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Great. And finally, Titus 3, uh, uh, verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become theirs, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Right. So there are some central running themes uh, going through these passages, salvation is, uh, is gargantuan. Grace, grace is huge. We heard that a lot. Jesus, the centrality of Jesus Christ. Um, the gospel is also referred to as the gospel of God's grace, the word of his grace, the good news about the Lord Jesus, and the message of his grace. There's this huge resounding emphasis on grace, Jesus, and salvation. Grace, if you guys... As we're uh, pretty well saturated in this here in the church that we belong to, which is really great. What is grace? What, how, how do we define grace uh, that's so crucial and central to the gospel and our understanding of it? It doesn't have to be... Uh, well, anyway, throw it out there. Grace. What, what do we mean by grace? Yes. We are saved by grace and grace is we are saved by grace. It is a gift of God, and we cannot earn it. Absolutely. I saw someone else. Did someone else want to? God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. Absolutely. What's this in contrast to? What do we usually contrast it with? Earning our salvation. Merit. Earning our salvation. Works. Absolutely. 
this is uh, this is pretty huge and important when we're wanting to communicate the gospel, especially in our culture that is, uh, in many ways, we've been marinating in Christendom for a long time, now drifting into a post-Christendom type context. Lots of people, grandma used to go to church, or maybe I used to go to church when I was a kid, or, or things like this. There can be the categories there available and I'll give a brief example. Um, a few years ago, I was at summer camp with a student, and uh, and we were having a conversation, and we were talking about the gospel. And uh, and he was blown away by what he had heard. He he told me, I never. I've been going to church. My mom went to church. My grandma went to church. I've been going to church my whole life, but it was always be a good person do good things, and you get to go to heaven. And that's just kind of the, you know, uh, cultural sensibilities of the afterlife, you might say. And I was listening, uh, there was a song the other day on the radio, it was that, I can't remember the reference, but it, but it's that line, um, it, it's a remake of that old song, I think, uh, oh, okay, I can't remember. I, I'm, I, I'm going... No, I can't remember. Okay, anyway. But I heard the song, and he literally said in the song, this was a pop song, and he said in the song, uh, I've, I've got a, my, it's, oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? You remember that one? And it's, he's talking about his girlfriend died, and he says in the chorus, and he repeats this throughout the chorus over and over, I gotta be good, so then I can see my baby again in the afterlife. Like, that's the idea that he's saying, right? And so this is what, is just kind of out there. So grace is central. Grace is crucial. And uh, and it is a gift of God. This is, uh, Ephesians 2 uh, is fantastic. I'm just really hitting this well. I'm just going to read verses 5 through 9, 4 through 9. This is what it says. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. And then it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So this is just huge. This is uh, really central in what we communicate. And if you want, like, literally a one-word that you want to communicate, grace wouldn't be a bad start. Um, this is also important This uh, when we are thinking about communicating the gospel itself. Uh, we, it can be nerve-wracking. It can, uh, maybe there can be some anxiety with it. Oh, am I communicating it well? Uh, am I, uh, you know, we can trust and rely in God and God's grace, even in the communication of the gospel itself. So here's a really cool uh, story to, to kind of encapsulate this between two great preachers from the 1700s. Some of you may have heard this before. It's George Whitfield, the evangelist, and John Wesley. And they had a written correspondence with one another. And uh, these guys were both evangelists, but they did it from different theological angles. Um, and uh, Wesley wrote a letter to Whitfield saying, and, and Whitfield similar to us in our tradition, had a, a huge emphasis on God's grace and God being the author of salvation and God being uh, the one who uh, even uh, gives us a, 
takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, peels the scales off our eyes and enables us to see the truth of the gospel. And Wesley wrote to Whitfield and said, I don't know how you go out there and preach the gospel. You believe that all of it is in God's hands, that God is the one who does everything, and why do you even go out there and do anything? And George Whitfield's reply was, well, on the contrary, I don't know how you do anything, because for me, I believe that uh, salvation and communication of the gospel, that it's the Holy Spirit working in people's hearts that uh, makes us efficacious or effective in their lives. And all I have to do is communicate, whereas by contrast, you have to rely on, uh, am I communicating well, my persuasiveness, my uh, uh, delivery, and so on. And so he said, I'm actually, I got it pretty good. And so these are, and, and that is the sensibility that we carry into this. We don't have to stress out or worry. And um, related to that is uh, your own life, your own testimony. This, uh, this will be on the handout, but um, this is an incredible vehicle to be able to communicate the gospel and is just talk about your own life and the way that God has changed you and transformed you. And that is just huge. Um, okay. Um, I want to read um, a, a, a little letter. This is from the... This is right after the early church was just getting started. This goes all the way back to 130 AD. This is called the letter to Diognetus. And this is a letter observing the Christian community and, uh, and how they lived and how they behaved. Okay, So hear this and think about this. Okay. Christians are not distinguished from other men by country, language, nor by the customs which they observe. Instead, they inhabit both Greek and barbarian cities. However, things have fallen to each of them. And it is while following the customs of the natives in clothing, food, and the rest of ordinary life that they display to us their wonderful and admittedly striking way of life. They live in their own countries, but they do so as those who are just passing through. As citizens, they participate in everything with others, yet they endure everything as if they were foreigners. Every foreign land is like their homeland to them, and every land of their birth is like a land of strangers. They marry like everyone else. They have children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They share a common table, but not a common bed. They exist in the flesh, but they do not live by the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, all the while surpassing the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They lack everything, yet they overflow in everything. So this is some really, really early observations about this Christian community and how they live their striking way of life. Uh, and it's resonant of what Jesus prayed in John 13. Uh, he says to his disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, have you guys ever, you guys, some of you will know what apologetics is. You've heard of apologetics. This is a field of theology where they'll use arguments and try to defend the faith, and sometimes they'll use logic and philosophy and, and, and so on. And there's a great theologian, uh, who Stanley Hauerwas, who has said, the church doesn't need apologetics, the church is the apologetic. And what he means by that is this redeemed community, this transformed people who live their lives in this way, that is the salt and the light that is going to be the, quote, defense of the faith or the argument for the, for the truth of Christianity, the truth of the gospel. When people look on this community and see their love for one another, that's what is going to be compelling. And that's exactly what we're doing here in Impact Week. Uh, I'm going to ask a couple of you dudes right up here if you could grab these handouts and start distributing them to everyone. Um, so uh, that's the idea that we're doing here in Impact Week is this picture of how we love one another. Uh, th- these resources that are coming around are um, a few tools. Like I said, there's visual aids. There's some scripture references. I'm going to take my jacket off. So as those are coming around, you can see at the top this illustration with these four blocks. This is a a classic reformed schematic of encapsulating the gospel. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Different language can be used there. Consummation. Um, And this is kind of, I emphasize this a lot with our youth and Sunday school and stuff, is really trying to cement these categories in your head. These can be incredibly helpful, not only for communicating the gospel itself, but even for uh, filtering things through this as a grid to be able to look at things. But we don't need to get into that. But anyway, so creation. Uh, sometimes when we're communicating the gospel, we skip that first block. And, and we start... In the second one. And this is where frequently we intuitively go. If you look at a lot of parachurch ministry uh, resources, pamphlets, Bible tracts, a lot of this type of stuff, it starts in that second block. The first block is really good. It's really helpful. And that is uh, very simple and straightforward, that God created us, and God created us good. And uh, all of his creation, he pronounces, good. And this becomes really important. Um, and, and humanity is created good. And it's not until the second brick where then we see the fall. And this is the entrance of sin. And where humanity, Adam and Eve in the garden, rejects God's will for their lives. We turn our backs on God. The human race is born into sin, into Adam's sin. We have inherited sin. The psalmist describes that we are sinners even from birth. Uh, This This is an interesting one in our culture. Uh, We live in a culture very post-enlightenment, humanistic. People are generally good. Um, That was not the general belief before the Enlightenment for the past 1,500 years and beyond before that. Um, So this one can make some people wince when you're having a conversation. On the other hand, uh, this can also be one that people can concede willingly to say, look, uh, have have you made mistakes? Uh, are there things that we've done in our lives that we're not proud of, and so on. And 
Um, and so sometimes, on the other hand, people can concede. So that's an interesting one. Um, but uh, an, an illustration I've used in the past is with toddlers. You don't have to teach them how to be bad. They, they'll, uh, they'll do their own thing on their own accord, but frequently we have to guide and rear them in the other direction to be good. So, uh, And then the third, category, uh, the third block there is redemption, and this is salvation. This is God's plan of redemption uh, that ultimately culminates in Christ and what he's done for us on the cross where Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't live in our sin, in our bondage and enslavement, that he did do that, but nevertheless took the punishment and the payment uh, of our sins on his own shoulders, on our behalf, what Luther calls the great exchange. And then finally, restoration, that final one. This this is also uh, helpful for us to think about well. Uh, Christianity frequently has uh, a picture of heaven, as this kind of ethereal, uh, spiritual, blobby place, or little angels on clouds and stuff. Uh, The biblical picture for the afterlife and for eternity is the new heavens and the new earth and resurrection, which means bodies. And this is a reaffirmation going right to the beginning of creation and embodiment being good. Uh, These... uh, these are just good, helpful categories. Um, the, in that final picture of restoration, the word frequently used to characterize it in the Bible is shalom, which we frequently, our translations, will translate it as peace, but it's not a very good translation. Peace usually means an absence of conflict, and so it's characterized not by a substantive presence of something, but it's, it's almost like light and darkness. If there's no light in a room, you have darkness. But darkness doesn't have its own substantive, you know, it's just it's characterized by an absence of light. And that's kind of like uh, peace. Instead, shalom, this biblical language, this biblical picture, was not uh, an absence of conflict, but it's a, it's a very significant presence of reconciliation, restoration, wholeness, completeness. It's uh, all the things in language that we see uh, describing uh, the new heavens, the, the new earth. That is what that picture of shalom, that word is trying to, to communicate. Um, beneath that picture, there are some scripture verses that can be helpful for memory devices. If you want to memorize scriptures that can hit on different themes, uh, this is from a ministry called The Navigators. This is a campus ministry, parachurch ministry. Um, beneath that uh, are two little pictures. One is the uh, Navigators Bridge. Uh, this is uh, one picture of four. I just put the most relevant one that would be helpful to summarize the whole thing. It's just uh, to communicate that uh, humankind is sinful, that God is holy, that there's this chasm that we ourselves have created. Uh, and turning our backs on him, but that Jesus Christ, through his work on the cross, forms this bridge to reconcile those uh, us to him. And then finally, um, oh, oh, and then the testimony I, I put there, just as a reminder, uh, our testimony, our lives themselves, this can be one of the most powerful and effective tools for communicating the gospel. And then, find, what's what's on the bottom there? Remind me. Oh, Young Life. This is what I do. Okay, so Young Life, as you guys know, we have a partnership with Young Life. 
Uh, I like, this one's handy. Simple as A, B, C. Uh, a, admit. This is just a, a clean cut, super easy way if you're communicating the gospel and it gets right down to brass tacks type of thing. Uh, a, B, C, A, admit. We admit that, yeah, we have made mistakes. Yeah, we aren't perfect. And yeah, we haven't always followed God's will for our lives and we have done, done what we see fit with our own lives and pursued our own path. Uh, B, believe. Believe in uh, the power of Christ's salvation for us. That he, that God put on flesh, he came, he lived a perfect life we couldn't live, that he died on the cross for us to take away our sins, and he was resurrected from the dead. And then finally, C, commit. That we commit to live our lives for him in a new transformed life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, just some helpful tools. Uh, the, The reverse side... Uh, this was a resource that Kevin blasted over to me, so I just put it on there for you guys. Uh, different ways to facilitate evangelism. Um, that the, Not all of it, or even most of it, is applicable for this week, but it's just a resource to have. Okay, we will wrap up there. Uh, and any conversation together? In, oh, okay. Uh, questions, thoughts, examples that you have with evangelism, or folks that uh, you your own stories of friends evangelizing to you or whatever. Anyone want to chime in or anything? Just yes, Bill. With um, the idea of the, the personal testimony, Yes. can you talk a little more about what is the difference between that, the personal testimony where it's focused on Christ's work and not like, look how good, you know, like, yeah. you know, know how good I'm, how well I'm doing and look yes. at me so that you can too be like me. Yes. Like what is... That's great. That's fantastic. This is super interesting. Um, So it's good to be realistic. Don't, you know, uh, what you don't want to do is tell someone how, you know, your life is going to be transformed and just incredible and sunshine, flowers, and roses when you uh, accept Jesus as your Savior. You know, obviously you want to be uh, realistic and pragmatic. In your own story, in your own testimony, Uh, What came to my mind was St. Augustine and um, a conversation that the patristics had about um, whether or not it's selfish to to, uh, accept the gospel. If you're only doing it for yourself and you have to like the the, uh, fire insurance ticket, if you guys have ever heard of it, it's my ticket to get out of hell or something. Have you guys ever heard that type of sentiment before? it's interesting because it, the gospel and, and the truth and the life, the eternal life and the reconciled life with God that is offered to us through the gift of grace, through salvation, it is for our flourishing and it is for our good. And so there can be some intertwined overlap between, um, you know, my own life and the way that it's been transformed and the, the incredible good that has come from that and and a Christ-centeredness to the communication and how ultimately it's it's not me. This is the, And that's where that grace comes in, right? Where it's not my works, it's not my doing, it's not uh, anything I've done but it is a gift of God, it is grace, it is purely Jesus Christ on my behalf. It, yeah, good question. If anyone else wants to even dive in on that too, Kevin, I, I'm going to defer to him and then back to you, Peggy. Go ahead. Oh, Peggy. Peggy, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so, so I was a teenager, and this particular individual, you know, was um, 
come back, um, you know, an athlete and different things. Mm. The thing about him, we saw each other a little bit. We said he cared about my salvation. Mm. And he cared about his friend's salvation. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about um, a strategy or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It was just genuinely caring about people's salvation. And and so it wasn't that, and then it just came out organically. Yeah. It's like I care about you, I care about your salvation. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's good. And and that's huge. Just uh there's a word for that. Oh yeah. There's a there's a word uh well with incarnational ministry. And, and and this is something young life does as well, where um uh, the New Testament there's a, a word oikos evangelism, it was uh household evangelism. And the idea is, it's your own lived life in the, the natural, normal spheres that you live, your social circles. You care about these people, your family, your friends, your coworkers, And uh, a natural outflowing of your own life in the gospel is you are transformed by the gospel. This, this impacts your life. And so it is very organic in many ways. It doesn't have to be, like you said, a program or this or that. It's just the natural outflowing. In some ways, that makes this uh, incredibly easy. Uh, and in some ways it can make it incredibly hard, uh, but mostly easy. Uh, it's hard because it means your life matters. This actually matters. Um, but on the other hand, it's really easy because we have been transformed by the truth of the gospel and the Holy Spirit working in our lives, and we do have transformed lives, so you can just be yourself. Just be who you are. And uh, the organic flow of your life and loving your neighbors uh, will result. And you know the truth of the gospel being communicated. I think that's great, and actually very much in line with what you're going to say there. That yeah. A lot of the, but I don't think it's an either or. Like, yeah. learn all these tools. You're right. Be relational. That's right. Um, and in fact, it's it's in the midst of relationships that these tools come in really handy. Right. And they're often put as you find in conversation where people are struggling. So if they're really struggling with guilt or something like that, then a bridge. Would, or something that would talk about sin and, and the cross would help relieve that. I mean, for me, I remember I had the green, I was converted off the green uh, track from Campus Crusade, and that started, anybody know what that one starts at? Mm-hmm. Would you like to know God personally? Mm-hmm. And this idea of a personal God was like really radical to me. And then I understood salvation in terms of sin and reconciliation. And, oh, I didn't realize my sin wasn't just bad things, but actually broke away from it. They have a yellow track that starts, would you like to know God? Oh, right, let's say that. Uh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Mm. But guess what kind of person on a college campus that would appeal to? Mm. Somebody who's kind of lost and doesn't know what the plan for their life is. Mm. And so, oh, wow, there's actually meaning in the universe. And there's, so I just think the more you know organically interweave these into exactly that relational organic life. Yes? Like you say, you're weaving stuff in, so you, you, you read those those verses from that and navigate it, and you, and you meditate on it, and mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit will make it kind of original. Yeah. It'll be real when, when it's communicated. 
just and, and not to assume that everybody's heard about Jesus. So I'm mm -hmm. um, talk about him. Mean, everybody knows about Christ. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows. Him. We're working uh, working this car wash last year at the, the Bridges of Hope on Gulf Street. So the, the Lord inspired me to say to this guy, he's African American man. He was maybe around 30 years of age. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I'm just going to say, I said to him, I'm going to say this one question. I'm going to ask you this one question. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not even going to wait for an answer. I'm going to tell you the question, and I'm just going to walk away from you. Find, you find out the answer yourself. Mm -hmm. I said to him, why do people believe in Jesus? And then I turned around and I walked away from him. He said, no, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like a passage straight out of the ass. You've never been with Charlie, do you? You to do this. That's wild. Yes, I'm glad. So on those scripture memories uh, are, are the navigators, the topical memory system there. These, this is an, an example of, this is the type of thing where you can, maybe you're not in a conversation or you don't find yourself in a conversation uh, all the time, but take the time before those conversations happen to look at these scriptures. Uh, you may even dedicate some time to really memorizing these scriptures and really getting this into your bones so that, when the occasion warrants, and it does come up, and they're, and they're uh, categorized there topically, that's why it's called the topical memory system, so then when it does come up, you are able to communicate with Scripture well, uh, you know, as needed, but yeah, absolutely. Any other folks? I think we're wrapping up here, about to do breakout groups. All righty. You are? All right.